Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Hey, welcome in. Time for the first Downtown podcast of the brand new year. Welcome to 2024. Rich Kimball with you. We're brought to you every week by Renewal by Anderson, your trusted window and door replacement expert. The better way to a better window. Call them up at 207-275-6622 or visit renewalbyanderson.com. We're going to go back in time a little bit to those carefree days of the 1970s and some folks who were uh, getting it done and pretty big in those days. A little bit later on in the program, we'll talk with basketball legend Ernie D. Gregorio. Ernie D., Providence College NBA Rookie of the Year in his first season with the Buffalo Braves, a, a knee injury ended his career after five seasons, but uh, he remains a legend, uh, certainly in New England. He's got a wonderful new memoir out called Star with a Broken Heart. And we'll talk with Ernie about that. Up first, though, boy, if you were a kid in the early 70s, you no doubt tuned in to see the New Zoo Review, hosted by Doug and Emmy Joe. We had a chance to talk with them recently about the show's enduring popularity from New Zoo Review, Doug and Emmy Joe here on Downtown. Well, it's so wonderful to talk to the two of you and uh, so great to see you out there uh, in the social media world and, and just to see how, how well you guys are doing all these years later. I have to ask first, I know you, you made a little trip to Philadelphia. Did you find Charlie? Yes, we did. He, he showed up and... Uh... He's all over our Facebook page, greeting all the fans, and it was a wonderful time. It's just great. Although he has slightly delayed because he missed the plane, and Doug just made a big joke about it that he had flown out to see the swallows of Capistrano. Well, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Well, uh, I look back, and it's been so fun for me going back and and uh, looking at pictures from the show, and of course listening to the theme song. And I, I think about when New Zoo Review debuted, it really was a golden age of children's television. It really was. And we were, when we were in Philadelphia, we got to have a reunion with Sharon Baird, who was in a lot of the Croft TV shows. And we hadn't seen her for 50 years. And she was in, in the actual Charlie the Owl costume for all 196 episodes. So we had a great reunion, and it was the golden age. We had the cross, we had uh, Sesame Street, we had uh, Mr. Rogers. I mean, and we didn't know it at the time, but it was the golden age. I, I was a big fan, too, of H.R. Puffin stuff. We had the pleasure of talking with the wonderful Marty Croft here on the show a couple of years ago, and I understand that uh, Sid and Marty played a role in New Zoo Review. Yeah, they actually did. They uh, they built the costumes from my designs, and uh, that that was the whole reason that Charlie and Henrietta and Freddie had the personalities, because they built the costumes. They didn't have anything to do with the production, but that was a lot of it. And uh, uh, we were so sad to hear that Marty passed away. Well, let me ask you, when you started the show, what were your goals? What were you trying to uh, send out there for a message to young viewers? Well, I, I tell you, you know, we didn't want to tackle ABC or 123. I mean, Sesame Street was doing that. I really wanted to communicate values to kids, like honesty, you know, telling the truth, uh, you know, be happy with what you have, treat others with respect, uh, be kind. 
And our, our, that's what our messages were. And, uh, you know, we just still feel that they hold up today. And I love the way that the show was set up and that each episode had its own specific theme. Yeah, and at the end, I, I wrote a song that kind of summed up uh, the action, if you will, uh, that was in the show. You know, like um, with, with the show on violence, uh, we just said violence isn't the way to solve problems. And, and that was really good about putting so many different topics in for discussion. We he even did a show on on Shakespeare. Did you know that? I don't remember that one, but that that sounds perfect. Yes, we did. We had a show on beauty. We had a show on manners. I mean, it, we we had a very very wide variety of topics. Yeah, and uh, it seemed to have resonated. Uh, more than we knew with the kids and uh, just by seeing their reactions today i mean some of them said hey you you taught me right and wrong well you know we're not that the show was originally to entertain but we found out it had a lot deeper meaning rich well it, it sure did we're talking with doug and emmy joe from uh, the new zoo review well you two were such perfect hosts but you surrounded yourself with so many talented actors and performers yeah. um fran ryan who was such a wonderful character actress and of course future game show legend chuck woolery yep yeah uh, chuck we gave him his acting start he played mr dingle the postman on our first uh, 52 episodes. So it was so fun working with him. I could barely keep a straight face. <laughs> and those animal characters, Freddie the Frog, Charlie the Owl, uh, I loved them both, but I, I think I had a special fondness for the very dignified Henrietta Hippo. I did too. And, you know, it was an honor to work with her because uh, Larry Thomas, who was inside the costume, was one of the great, dancers in Hollywood. I mean, she's been, I've seen her in so many movies, you know, as a dancer. And, um, you know, Doug and I really didn't have, our background was in uh, legitimate theater, the stage. And neither one of us had ever really been in television before. And we learned so much from the other um, characters on the stage, the other actors. Well, you also attracted some very talented guest stars through the episodes as well. Yes, we did. Well, you know, and uh, I'll tell you a little story about that. Um, the reason we had those guest stars is um, my wife of 53 years, who is Emmy Joe, was having our first child, Joanna. <laughs> and, and so the, she missed a couple episodes. And, and Joanna is now in charge of our social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We were we were thrilled to work with like Jim Backus, you know, Mr. Magoo, um, Richard Dawson. I mean, uh, Joanne Worley. I mean, it was just Henry Mancini. Uh, oh, my my favorite though, Rich was Henry Mancini. Oh wow! Uh, you know, just because I was a composer doing the songs uh, in the show, and here I was uh, in, in Freddie's rowboat on the little pond talking to Henry Mancini, <laughs> and I I actually asked him. I said. Uh, can I ask you a question? What you know? What should I do as a composer? And he just said, "Just keep writing." <laughs> so, well, and that you did, Doug. How many original songs did you create for the show? Uh, over six hundred songs. Wow. For the, for, and 
I, I did it because I've always wanted to do musical comedy, and uh, you know, I wanted to have a show on Broadway. Well, this was the closest I came, but it really we structured it where it was a musical comedy for kids. Each song furthered the action, furthered the plot. You learned a little bit about the characters, and you just had fun listening to the songs and watching us try to dance. <laughs> well, what has happened with you recently, I think, is such a wonderful story uh, that, that started with your initial Facebook Live. And, and from what I understand, you, you didn't have maybe high expectations for what would happen. Well, I, I've been out of the limelight for many, many years. We live on a little farm, and I've been very contented to be right here, and I have my friends and the things that I do in our little town. But our daughter, Joanna, waltzed into the house last New Year's Eve and said, Mom, I've decided to create a Facebook page for you because people need to know what Dad has done and what you're doing. And so that little Facebook page, we now have, I think, 52,000 followers <laughs> and growing. And initially, I wasn't sure if I would enjoy it. But honestly, Rich, I love it. I love meeting the people who grew up watching our show. We just had no idea of the impact that it had on people. And I love hearing their stories and they'd even decided they've got a name for themselves they're the new zoo kids anybody <laughs> that, anybody that watched the show when they were little they're in that group of the new zoo kids so it's been very rewarding and i love getting out and um, meeting them and i i just i love seeing their pictures when they post pictures because we have our facebook page the new zoo review but Joanna also started another page called the New Zoo Review Family Reunion. And that's the page where they can share with us pictures of their families, their pets, tell us what their life is like. I mean, it's just wonderful. And you had the event in Philadelphia. I know you did the uh, the Comic-Con in San Diego. It must have been overwhelming to see these uh, these grown-ups who all of a sudden become kids again when they see you two. Oh, it was it was amazing. I mean, it was actually very emotional. We had, you know, grown men come up and uh, with tears in their eyes. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. We just didn't know. It's just we were in such a bubble back then and so protected that we we just were never allowed really to get out and just meet, really get to know the people that loved our show and hear their stories and. Now that we're hearing them, I mean, gosh, some people tell us that they went into music because of listening to Doug's songs. I had a person fairly recently come up and say he was crying. And he said, I'm not in jail. I had a horrible background. But because of you and Doug and watching you, you were like my pretend parent. And I made it. I'm not in jail. I'm not on drugs. And Rich, that that just means everything to us. I, I I'm so proud of our new zoo kids. We've got kids that grew up to be librarians, who grew up to be teachers, dentist. and hmm? the dentist. Our, oh yes, our dentist, and that that not our dentist, but we have a, a dentist in, in our new zoo kids. 
and uh, it's just lots of fun. I'm proud of every single one of them. Well, it was it was a, a tumultuous time in America, and uh, and I was a little older, I think, than the, the standard uh, New Zoo Review fan at the time, but I would still watch and check it out, and there was such a, a fundamental kindness and decency about the show that was passed along to kids, and I think that's one of the reasons they connected so well with you guys. Well, I, I think so, and, uh, you know, it's almost like what we're going through now, the, the tumultuous times that we're, that we're in, it's, it's just that. You know, it leads us to believe that these the values that we had in the show are needed now more than ever, maybe. They're timeless. They're timeless. You know, I, I, there's something that I saw on Facebook. It, it just says, if you can be one thing, be kind. And that is the message that we just wanted these kids to know. And what we try to do now in our shows is just let people let people know that kindness is what makes the difference. We're all part of the human family, and everyone needs to be treated with respect and kindness. How rewarding is it for you to, after all these years, to, to find out and, and hear face-to-face, person-to-person, how important a role you played in the lives of so many people? Oh, it, it, it's been unbelievable, Rich. I mean, uh, I think Emily, Emily told you, like, for 40 years, I was... Uh, you know, had my own production company in Las Vegas and kind of forgot about Muzu until this Facebook page. And then now that we've found out how much it meant to people, we are just so gratified. And to just to know that something I created 50 years ago is still relevant today and played a role in mm-hmm. so many of these kids' lives. They're not kids anymore, but uh, and now they want to show them to their grandkids and It's pretty overwhelming, actually, because we knew it was an entertaining show for kids, but finding out how the impact it had and the the depth of feeling that they have for us, they love us, and by golly, we love them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, we don't have any fans. We have family. We are the News Review family. Well, it's been wonderful to to see you both. Uh, on Facebook, it's like uh, catching up with with long lost friends. Uh, you both look great, and it, it's so good to hear you and and see you and how well you're doing and and have you out there and and getting the appreciation that that you deserve for what you contributed to so many people all those years ago. Uh, it's so good to talk with you, Doug and Emmy Joe. Thank you for making time for us. I wish you a, a happy holiday season and continued good health. And thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Rich. Thanks, Rich. It's Doug and Emmy Joe from the New Zoo Review with us here on Downtown. We'll take a break and come back with Ernie D himself, basketball's Ernie D. Gregorio, next on Downtown. The better way to a better window, renewal by Anderson. Picture this, a cozy main winter night, snowflakes gently falling, and inside, your home is comfortable and warm thanks to renewal by Anderson. What's their secret? Here's Troy Pearl to tell us. At Renewal by Anderson, we are the window and door replacement experts who can make your home merry and bright with every holiday season to come. And here's the magic, our high-performance glass. It keeps your home cozy, even on the coldest winter days. Then there's our exclusive FiberX material. It's strong, durable, and energy efficient. But the magic doesn't end there. That's true, because for the month of December, we'll knock 25% off your entire project. 
25%. Renewal by Anderson, making Maine winters magical one window and door at a time. To schedule a free in-home consultation, go to rbagreatermaine.com. The better way to a better window, Renewal by Anderson. <laughs> well, a little bit of Doug and Emmy Joe right there from the News Zoo Review. Up next on the podcast, a talented basketball player who took New England by storm back in the 1970s, leading Providence College to a Final Four appearance. Ernie D. Ernie D. Gregorio has got a new memoir out called Star with a Broken Heart that chronicles his decades-long friendship with his coach, Dave Gavitt, and teammate Marvin Bad News Barnes. I didn't know what to expect from from this book, but it was an absolutely powerful and, and captivating read. And, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard this a million times through the years, but uh, you were such a hero to so many of us uh, vertically challenged basketball players. But uh, it was great to read the, the story of what was going on behind the scenes and this great friendship between you and Marvin Barnes and Dave Gavitt. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that because it was from my heart, and uh, those guys were really special, as you could tell in the book, to me. And, you know, with them going, it's never going to be the same, but uh, we had some tremendous uh, battles on and off the court. You know uh, what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I love the stories of, of your youth and, uh, and your parents who uh, were such a source of strength for you. But in the early days... Your mom wasn't sold on this. What did she say? Forget about that stupid basketball? Yeah, go to work with your father and make the money. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but she loved my brother. She used to tell my brother, let Johnny sleep, take Ernie to work. <laughs> but how great that your dad finally, your dad saw your basketball skills and, and let you get away with working a half day. Yeah, he used to hear the uh, talk around town, how good his son was, and uh, then he started believing it. When I told him how good I was, he wouldn't believe me. But when uh, the talk got around that this guy's a really great player, you know, he started letting me work only a half day. And then when I got really good, he told me I didn't have to work at all. My brother <laughs> didn't like that. He's still mad to this day. <laughs> <laughs> but how great uh, that here you are today living in the house that you were able to buy her thanks to basketball. Yeah, no question. You know, uh, I, I wish I bought five of them because I bought it right by the beach, and it's you know a house that I spent like twenty four thousand. Then right now you could get nine hundred thousand. Mm. Imagine that, it's crazy. Well, you uh, honed your skills in those early morning practice sessions largely by yourself, and boy, you brought back memories to me when you talked about the sound of those chain nets on the outdoor courts. Yeah, I love that sound. You know, th th those were my favorite nets anywhere, even, you know, playing inside. I love playing with those chains nets and make a swish and hear that, that those chains. That was music to my ear. And the other thing I really enjoyed, believe it or not, I used to practice when it rained because uh, I knew no one else would be practicing it, and that would be a, a huge advantage for me. And sometimes the courts would not be, you know, completely flat and you'd get a little gully and it'd be raining there, and the ball would hit that, that water and just, you know, make that splash noise, and it wouldn't even come up. 
So that was fun, too. Well, and you took that basketball with you everywhere you went, even if it was running an errand for your mom. The basketball was with you at all times. Yeah, you know, because it was fun, Rich. I I love to have fun. And and I I told someone the other day, uh, somebody posted online that Ernie D, when he used to go on a date, used to have his basketball, you know, in the middle. And I said, no, when I picked up my girlfriend, I'd throw my basketball in the back seat. And then after the date, when I dropped her off, I would grab it and put it in the front seat and just, you know, have it in my hand, you know, on the seat while I was driving. It just felt comfortable in my hand and, you know, became an extension of me when I dribbled the ball. That's why I could pass it so well because, you know, I'd never look down at it. Well, you uh, you went to prep school to get yourself ready uh, to go to Providence, but uh, it took, let's say, it took some adjustments and uh, a few tweaks of the rules for you to feel comfortable at prep school. Yeah, first day I was away from home in my life, you know, 19 years old. In fact, one of my teammates at North Providence High, he got a scholarship half in football because he was a quarterback and half for basketball. But when it came time to go, he never even showed up. He uh, he couldn't leave his girlfriend, you know, back home. So I went, and after, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, after like the first day, you know, I got homesick because that's the first time I've ever been away from home. Well, so yeah, you were uh, you were cooking up steaks, <laughs> taking care of business, and eating right there in your room. Oh yeah, I had it good. My father <laughs> used to bring me steaks. In those days, it used to get really cold in the winter. And I would skate across the um, the track, I mean, the um, across the pond. It used to freeze right up, so it was really nice. We're talking with Ernie D. Gregorio here on Downtown. His new book is called Star with a Broken Heart. Uh, you write so eloquently about your coach, Dave Gavitt, and it sounds like the kind of coach that everybody would love to have. You said that he was always in control he never lost his cool. And also, you know, you hear people, coaches say, well, you got to treat everybody equally. But what Dave Gavitt seemed to understand was that didn't mean treating everybody the same. Exactly. He was a master at understanding people's personality and what made them tick. And, uh, you know, I was the kind of guy who was very sensitive if somebody, you know, got on me and I'd go in a shell. And, uh Coach Gavitt knew that, and he wouldn't really get on me. He knew a different way to push my button. And then the other guys, you know, they needed to be pushed, some guys, and he would get on them. But what made him special was, you know, he never yelled. He always talked to us. And he used to tell us from the first day of practice, it didn't matter where we were then. It's where we ended up that counted. When it came tournament time. And I, I love the story of how you became Ernie D because of the great broadcaster, Chris Clark. Yeah, he, he had trouble <laughs> pronouncing Dig Gregorio like many, many people do. And so finally, he shortened the name and called me Ernie D. And that's how I became Ernie D. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then that, that friendship with Marvin Barnes began pretty early when Coach Gavitt uh, sent you into his neighborhood to uh, to pick him up, and, and a bond formed pretty quickly there between the two of you. Yeah, we both loved basketball. And um, our goal was the same, which was to play in the NBA and get drafted in the first round. <clears throat> 
So every day <clears throat> at practice, both of us, you know, really worked hard and uh, knew because there was no ESPN and games on TV all the time that you had to win as a team collectively to get on television, national television, and then you could get that exposure and that would really catapult your uh, opportunities to be a professional. And that's what we did. We um, we lost two games that year, went 24-2, and two, and right to the Final Four. So uh, we won a lot of games. Yeah, and that senior year was something special. You added Kevin Stakem from Holy Cross, and, and you knew you had something going. Uh, what did it make you feel like, and you, you captured so well in the book, when you guys got that win over Lefty Drizel and, and the Maryland Terrapins to head to the Final Four? Yeah, that was the happiest, you know, game in my life because to get to go to the Final Four was a hell of an accomplishment, and we knew we were good enough to do it. <clears throat> but to actually have done it and to celebrate on almost Maryland's home court was really uh, a special, special event. I, th- I thought it was very interesting, too, and not just the relationship you and Marvin had, but you and Coach Gavitt, that, that he actually wanted your opinion and would sit down and talk to you guys about uh, what was going well and what could be done differently and the fact that he was open to suggestions from players. Yeah, that's what made him special. I tell people all the time, he had no ego. He never thought he was bigger than the team. The one thing he did that was brilliant, when he did so many things that were brilliant, but this one thing really stuck out to me was he knew each player's talents and he developed the team according to their talents and he would hide their weaknesses. So he was really a coach and I say in my book you know he always wanted when he died to be known as a coach first and I think a lot of people you know would be surprised at that because of the you know huge operation he developed in the Big East but he loved to coach uh, but people be surprised to know, a young readers, that the NBA draft was not at all what it is today. There was none of the pomp and circumstance. But you had some options, uh, which way to go, the ABA with Kentucky, the NBA with Buffalo. But your dream all along had been not just to play, but to prove to everybody that you were an NBA-caliber player. Yep, that was it. That was my goal. My goal, ever since I started playing basketball from a little town in North Providence where, you know, they never produced a, an NBA player in Rhode Island ever. You know, people always questioned and doubted how good I really was. And whether it was prep school or high school or college, you know, to get that opportunity and play in the NBA against guys like Walt Frazier, Earl Monroe, uh, Bill Bradley, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Julius Irving, John Havlicek, Dave Collins, Tiny Archibald. You know, these were great. Jerry West, Oscar Robinson. These were great, great players. And I had a chance to compete against them. And that was, to me, the, the most satisfying thing I could ever do from all that practice. Well, you had a great season, a Rookie of the Year in the NBA. Uh, the next year, uh, Marvin finished his senior year at Providence. 
went to St. Louis in the ABA because they offered more money largely, but you saw some trouble right away when you went out to visit him. Yeah, you could tell that, you know, it looked like something was fishy because of, you know, all the people coming in the houses. And, um, you know, I brought it to his attention, but uh, his, his, his answer was always, ah, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. But I could tell, you know, when you grow up with people and you know them, you can sense and feel when something wasn't right. And, uh, you know, we battled, Coach Gavin and I, right to the end, trying to help him. I think, you know, one of the nicest things Coach Gavin ever said to me was, my greatest assist was not on the basketball court. It was keeping my brother alive from drugs. And, you know, you, you can try, but until the person... You know, he did so well for so many years. He went like 12 years once being sober. But then, you know, a couple of bad decisions led to, you know, the fatal death of him at the end. And it was uh, never the same without him. Absolutely. Yeah, you uh, suffered that awful knee injury in your second season. You'd, you'd never been hurt before that, right? Right. All I did was my second year, we started off in Boston and I had 33, 14 for 18 from the floor in the garden. So I was feeling my oats. Came back to Buffalo, played against the Bulls, Chicago. I had 25. And I said, boy, I'm going to be an all-star this year. And then the third game, we went out to Golden State. And I just made a simple chest pass, just turned a little bit. And I felt a little pinch in my knee. And it swelled up. And that's when it was a torn cartilage. And, um, you know, it was a battle ever after that. It was a whole different battle than just playing basketball. It was a battle of playing minutes. It was a battle to rehab. Because in those days, they didn't have arthroscopic surgery. Right. They didn't go in and just take out the torn cartilage. In those days, they took the whole cartilage out. And uh, that was definitely not a good thing. And, uh it was tough after that. It wasn't never the same, but uh, I can always say my last year with the Celtics, I threw John Havlicek, my childhood hero, his last assist and his last basket. So, you know, even through the tough times, you know, after I got hurt, I did have some, you know, some good times, good moments. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you must treasure that, that autographed picture that you have of John Havlicek. Oh, yeah. I got an autographed ball with him that he wrote, you know, Ernie D., you're the best. Anything from him was special because he was such a humble, good person, and no one worked harder and played better than he, I thought, in my mind. I loved the way he played. It's uh, it's such a, a powerful and poignant moment in the book uh, when you all gather for your number retirement ceremony. That That had to be a special moment to be there with your brother. Oh, that was special. And, um, you know, to be t- have my number retired with Jimmy Walker, mm. Marvin Bonds, I couldn't ask for two, you know, closer friends or greater players. And um, that was really a special, special moment. You know, I just wish my mother was alive to be there. But, uh, you know, luckily she got to see me play my whole senior year and I gave her a lot of thrills and my family and friends, but, uh, that retirement was really nice. 
And then uh, the ultimate reward of being selected and inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was that was amazing when the guy called me up and told me. I didn't even know they had a College Basketball Hall of Fame. And um, eventually my whole family went down. And uh, Kansas City, it was right before COVID, so we lucked out, you know, because if it was COVID, they wouldn't have had anything. And um, my grandkids, you know, got to uh, interact in the uh, uh, Kansas City Museum over there where they pretended they were Johnny Most on the, <laughs> on the uh, microphone, and it, it was fun. It was really special. And uh, the through line in this book uh, is the great support you've had along the way, uh, first from your parents and then your your immediate family, and family's been such an important part of your story, and, and I know instrumental to all the success you've had. Yeah, they mean everything. You know, that's, <clears throat> I used to tell people I played more for my family than I did for me because I knew I was good. I had no doubt I could do what I could do. But when they um, when they got to see me play and I made them happy, that put a smile on my face, and I was really happy. Do you still carry Coach Gavin and, and Marvin Barnes with you? Oh, yeah, all the time. You know, they got a game tonight, Providence. They're playing Marquette. And when I go in the arena, there'll be 14,000 people, and there won't be a time where someone will come up to me and they'll say, they remember that team and when Marvin got hurt or tell me stories about Coach Gavin. So they'll always be with me. You know, till the day I die. So uh, I was very fortunate to have two b- beautiful people like that and, and be part of, you know, my journey. And that's why I wanted to write the book because, you know, they're no longer here. And I can relive a lot of those great times we had and share them with people. Well, it's a great tribute to them. Uh, it's a book about basketball, but about so much more than that, about brotherhood and friendship. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful read, Star with a Broken Heart. Ernie D. Gregorio, it's been great to talk with you. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, I wish you good luck with the book. Happy holidays to you and your family and good health in the coming year. And thank you so much for having me. Merry Christmas, and um, I really enjoyed the interview, and uh, God bless you too. Thank you. Well, what a couple of fun conversations there. Ernie D. Gregorio. Doug and Emmy Joe from the New Zoo Review. Our thanks to them for being with us this week on Downtown. Produced by Carrie Haskell and brought to you by Renewal by Anderson, the better way to a better window. Call 207-275-6622 or visit renewalbyanderson.com. We'll see you next time right here on Downtown.